You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers. With Renew Economy's editor, Giles Parkinson, and leading solar industry veteran, Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by SunWiz, the creators of the powerful PV cell software, and Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of Solar Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy and One Step Off the Grid. And joining me is Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. Nigel, how are you? Excellent. Thank you, Giles. Great to be back. Busy times for everyone, hey? It is absolutely flat out at the moment. I'm not too sure when it's going to stop. Possibly <laughs> um, possibly not until after the election. Oh, I um, think you might be right. Yeah. Yes, well, look, last last time we did preview the um, we did preview the New South Wales election. Yes. Um, didn't end up in a minority government, didn't end up in a change of government. Um, Labor kind of nudged its nose in front and then shot itself in the foot in the final furlong. Yep. I think it's a fair, a fair, a fair assessment. But I um, think it is. Mm. Yeah, look, we've got the Gladys Berejiklian government um, back in power for another four years with a majority. Yes. Um, not great news. I had a very sad former Green on the phone to me um, this afternoon about some of the impacts on marine parks and forestry and things like that. Um, for solar, for rooftop solar, look, um, there's a um, there's a very big um, interest-free loans for rooftop solar and battery storage. So I don't think the uptake of rooftop solar is going to slow down anytime soon in New South Wales. No, $3.2 billion promised in interest-free loans. Uh, it's over 10 years, so, you know, I, I suspect it's going to be a little while before the um, the paperwork comes out and people can start applying. Um, and, you know, interest-free loans, that's yeah, not a bad way to go. Um, you know, up to $9,000 for a... Uh, a solar system and fourteen thousand bucks for a solar and battery system. So, reasonable chunk of money. Um, it's a it's a target, so that's good. Um, um, you know, I think there's potentially some fine tuning to do. And what I really, really hope is uh, that if anyone in the New South Wales government is listening, they get going with this pretty fast because now that you've made that promise. Um, what we've got to do is get the program guidelines and rules written up, make sure that all the loose ends are tidy up and then get it rolling. Otherwise, people are going to be sitting on their hands. So um, I look forward to those conversations in the coming weeks and months. Yeah, look, I like the idea that it's got a lot of battery storage and seems to be focused largely on that. Um, I would like the idea a little bit more if it was a little bit more focused towards um, lower income people. But look, I guess battery storage, we're now back into the early, into the early adopters and people sort of, you know, needing some sort of incentive if the criteria is for it to make financial sense, because it's probably not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Um but look, oh, it's really interesting talking about this now because what we've seen over the last couple of months in Victoria, so Victoria had their own scheme. It's more about the different rebates for mostly solar, but also some battery storage. Yes. Now, this discussion down in Victoria, it's coming from all sides now. I think it's worth going through it because there's a lot of people pretty happy with some of the things that are happening. There's a lot of people pretty unhappy with some of the things happening. Mm-hmm. Overall, I think that there's probably mostly steps in the right direction but a few controversial things over the way now let's get through it i think the latest thing is about this requirement as we mentioned last week and i think you had a bit of an exclusive on that is this requirement for um all retailers involved in this um 
involved in this um, in this scheme to be approved by the Clean Energy Council. Yeah, that's right. Um, following on from the lead um, in um, South Australia and a couple of other programs around the place where only approved uh, uh, solar retailers by so the CEC has an approved solar retailer program and uh, following on from the lead of a couple of other states Victoria has now adopted that as well there is going to be a transition period so it'll give people a chance to apply for the scheme Um, and certainly you know there's been a lot of very vigorous debate, shall we say, online within the solar industry about whether this is appropriate or not. Um, I, I think if I could summarise, I think there are three things that I'd say. One is I don't think anybody out there is arguing that we don't need more protection for, at a retail level for consumers. Everyone's in favour of that and everyone's very, very keen to make sure that whatever is in place works effectively. So everyone's on the same page there. Um, how exactly we get there and whether it should be through an approved retailer program or whether it should be through some other type of program or whether it should be connected to standard licensing rules, there's a lot of debate about that. And, um, uh, you know, um, I've got a position on it. I'll I'll, I'll keep my opinion to myself. Those online would know what it is. Um, Suffice to say, it's all we've got. The government has... um, has now uh, put that in place uh, in in Victoria along with the other states to try and keep quality up. So that's good. Nigel, and- I've been trying to interrupt you for the last five minutes, and I just realised <laughs> I had my microphone on mute. So. Um- oh. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you not have an opinion and keep it to yourself? Sorry, that's that's what you're here for. <laughs> okay, are we going to uh, go back to the beginning or no, 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 no? no, no. But go on. Is well, it good I'd... or bad? Is it good or bad or mixed or indifferent? Look, I have a very simple position on this, and I've said this to a number of people over and over again. I don't see another mechanism or another program or another regulatory body out there that is as acutely focused on our industry and the specific needs of how to protect solar consumers there is no one else out there who is as focused on this issue and who has a program that's been running for some time and is standing up and doing its job it's imperfect like all programs so in the absence of anything better Uh, or anything else for that matter I'm a full supporter of the program I think it's great it it, you know needs fine-tuning and there's lots of work going on we've mentioned the behind the meter scheme uh, code which is the next evolution of this so it's not standing still it's being being changed over time so yeah I uh, yeah consumers obviously need protection there was a big story that's about to come out tonight on the ABC talking about again some of the shonks and problems in the industry so yeah we need protection out there we do need to protection, and we also need to keep in 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 um, keep in mind our sort of time our time warp. Um, we're recording this just before that seven thirty program, but we're probably mm. not going to be broadcasting <laughs> for a couple of days. Another slap around the chops. Another slap around the chops for you. But look, but that's a, but that's another one. Just sort of talking about the cowboys, you know, in the industry, and we've talked yep. so long about this, and you know, over many, 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 many episodes, and for many years on the website and stuff like that. So this is coming to the fourth. Um, I haven't. Seen in this episode um, at the time of this recording, but it looks like there's a lot of people sort of saying, my shoulder system cost me a lot of money and it doesn't bloody work. 
yeah. um, which is sort of testimony, one, to be aware of cowboys, two, to get some decent monitoring um, like you guys promote. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and um, anyway, but look, back to Victoria, um, look, there's some other controversy too because there's um, the safety rules that we also talked about last week and there's been a bit of um, pushback against that too. I've had a couple of people complaining to me that, yep. bloody hell, now we need to have a scaffolding for anything which is a second story and a second story mm. roof. But um, mm. you make the point that that's actually always been the rules but not necessarily enforced and um, though it may add costs, it's probably a good thing, um, although not everyone agrees with you. Yep. Um, and, and look, there's two issues here um, to be very, very clear. One is, you know, the rules and regulations haven't changed. They've always been in place. They've been in place for many, many years. Working at heights, uh, rules and regulations have been pretty consistent. So the rules and regulations have always been there, and they require you to make an assessment of the danger and the risk associated with working on any site, not just a solar site, but any work at all um, at heights if, if you're in business. And they require you to go through a few steps and work out what is the appropriate safety measure to protect yourself and also anyone else around that site where construction work is going on. Sometimes that means harnesses, sometimes it means scaffolding, sometimes it means other uh, means of full protection. So there are a number of ways you can do it. Um, and so in that sense, I think, you know, what the attention to this has done for the industry is collectively enforcing these rules and, and audits, more audits is what we're hearing is happening. Um, it's enforcing that on everyone, which hopefully will get everyone to lift the bar together so that if there's a cost, then everyone is wearing that cost and the whole, you know, the whole industry just goes upwards and is safer. The other point that's really, really critical to make around this is that last year, two people died installing solar systems last year. They died from falling at heights. You can die, and um, it often doesn't take a fall from very high. It often um, is, 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 you know, those innocuous little events where you slip and fall, and if you fall the wrong way, um, you can be, um, you know, fatally injured. And so this is all about keeping people safer, and that means solar installers on roofs getting home to their wife and their kids, and, their, and their, the rest and their of their husbands. family and their husbands, whatever the case may be. Um, uh, so, you know, keeping people safe um, is worth a little bit of extra money. Fair enough. And um, I know I'll never be at risk because you won't get me more than three rungs up a ladder. So um, that's <laughs> my, my safety first attitude. Um, look, um, the, um, while we're still in Victoria, a bit of controversy over what some of the networks are up to here. Um, we had mm. a story um, last week talking about some of the restrictions proposed by the Energy Networks lobby, um, which is for five kilowatt of exports, but it's actually smaller than that in um smaller than that in some rural areas and particular focus on Osnet and one of their metrics which seems to be um, and we can't quite work out whether this is a quote unquote blip in their online sort of um, application system or part mm -hmm. of a, like, a more formal policy mm -hmm. is basically putting a 10 kilowatt in, uh, limit on the inverter but when you basically got your solar and your battery inverter say if you've got a Tesla power wall it kind of adds up to more than that of course and you're kind of limited so effectively you can't actually sort of export back into the grid 
you're really just um, um, you're obliged to sort of self-consume. So um, some real issues there because um, you know there's there's a um, there's a great fear that the networks are kind of going too far, kind of just sort of controlling. The networks can see the future; they just, they just want to manage it so they can keep their revenues and and, and what have you. So a bit mm. of overreach happening here, and, and and that could be quite impactful for a lot of people trying to get systems on at the moment. Well, it certainly is, Giles, and, I, and I've spoken with a number of different people down there who have literally been simply told no you can't connect any solar none you just simply cannot connect in fact i was shown a copy of one of these responses from uh from osnet now there there are some really really good people in osnet i saw a presentation from a a great guy who I've, i've met numerous times over the years who really you know actually he really quietly quite quite likes solar i think um and he talked about this challenge and he talked about how they were introducing a brand new portal to try and streamline things. And actually, it was designed in many cases to make connections easier. So I'm really interested to know whether this is just a glitch in that system, which it may indeed be. I I can't, I don't understand why Osnet have suddenly gone from being like any other network in terms of connections pretty good generally, a little bit difficult in some parts of their network to suddenly being what would appear to be a lot more um, uh, blocking a lot more connections and simply saying, no, you can't put any on. So I think we have to wait and see what's going to happen there. And I might try and get in touch with uh, with Osnet in the meantime and, and see if we can get to the bottom of that. But certainly not making the rollout of solar in Victoria any easier. No, they're not. And we've been trying to sort of um, get them because we've got a couple of stories lined up for this um, on One Step Off the Grid and Renew Economy this week. So look out for those. But um, we've sort of been passed on sort of pillar to post or mm. should I probably say pillar to pole um, in the case of a network. Um, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Oh, look, inform today, mate. Inform. Um, I've just looked at your uh, moniker today, actually, on the um, on the cast recording system. Sad New South Wales Nige. Oh, yeah, look, I should have been more empathetic when we were talking about the New South Wales election result, Nigel. I'm terribly oh, sorry. No, look, you know, uh, it was always an each-way bet. So, you know, I'm disappointed that we don't have something more ambitious in place. And um, I'm worried that... Um, I'm worried that, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of talk over the last few years and not very much action in New South Wales when it comes to renewables. So let's just remain optimistic for now. Let's just remain optimistic. Yes, yeah, some interesting, other interesting results. Well, I, I guess well, the, the and, next... And look, here's something to remain optimistic. Here's something to be optimistic about. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to take us right off course for a moment and go to the US because I saw some stats today that said, you know, US market had a slight recovery in 2018 compared to 2017, which is good news. They did 10 gigawatts, which is um, pretty decent. It's um, But when you look at the residential market, in 2018, they installed about just over 300,000 residential systems around the same as we did, right? Hmm. So we are installing virtually the same amount of residential solar systems each year as the entire United States. And if there's something to feel good about, if there's something to feel proud of, particularly for all the guys and girls out there on roofs and in switchboards, it's that. You know, Australia is a residential solar rocket ship. It's just fantastic. And so, yeah, that's, so that's good news. There's something res- else to feel good about. A, a residential ro- solar rocket ship, yeah. Well, look, we'll hear more <laughs> about this and, and, and maybe some prognostications of the upcoming uh, federal election. So um, now it's looking more likely... 
it's probably going to be on May the 11th rather than May 18th, which is really good for my son and um, the rest of his family who were getting who's getting married on, on, on May the 18th. So we, uh, <laughs> we, we we are going for a May 11th election. Otherwise, everyone's going to be sitting there on their iPhones um, <laughs> talking about <laughs> talking about the poll and the count. Um, but look, the Smart Energy Conference uh, next week. Um, oh, a lot yeah. to look forward there. Not just about um, we'll get to hear about some of the policies and and some of the thinking, mm. um, both large scale and small scale and storage and mm. um, should be some good things to, to come up with, including Z- Zali Stegel, the um, the candidate for Warringah, mm, and indeed. Tony Abbott, who's just yeah. um, who's just found out about libraries. Apparently, you can borrow books. <laughs> it's been so really? Fun. <laughs> Haven't you seen that? This no, is t- no, that. this is this is t- this is Tony Abbott. He 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 he's posted a video on his on, on I think it's his Facebook page or his or his home page or something like that. And he's obviously walking through the streets of Warringah, and he sits down, and they've got this like sort of local um, library thing. It's just basically it's like a cabinet or a box, and you sort of put books in and books out. And he goes, and he's sitting down there, and he's crouching down, and in all seriousness, he's looking at this and saying, "Oh, look, you know, um, you put books in, and you take them out, and you can borrow them." And he's going, oh, "I've never seen anything like this before in my life." <laughs> and that's just triggered a whole series of memes, and people are just sort of looking at, it going, "This is a fridge." You open it and you keep things cold. And there's another guy out there with a wheelie bin. Oh, it's amazing. You open it, you put your rubbish in, and there's another guy with a hills hoist. And um, Oh, dear. So, look, I don't oh, see how, I don't see I how miss that com- can't win, but no, still. I, I, no, well, I'm with you. I, I, um, but I miss that completely because I was too uh, having too much fun watching all the coverage of um, uh, the undercover footage of One Nation uh, talking to the NRA. Uh, which has been entertaining all day, and then um, and then also the um, vice president of the Liberal Part, not the Liberal Party, Tina McQueen, who vice um, president of the Liberal New South, yeah, Liberal, Liberal Party in New South Wales, Liberal Party yes. in New South Wales, yeah, my, uh, biggest train wreck interview on Q and A's history ever, uh, and seeing bits and pieces of it, you you'd have to agree. I think you'd have to agree. Yeah, look, look. I mean, I've often referred to the Bureau of Meteorology, and and um, you know they do these sort of colour maps, and um, they used to sort of have to sort of go to sort of bright red for the hottest, you know, hottest temperatures and things like that. And just recently, they've had to find different colours because, you know, of course the temperatures are getting hotter, so they've gone into sort of dark purple, and they'll continue to go in there. But Mm. when you sit down and listen to these people from the coalition or the conservative media, I'm struggling to come up with the word stupider than stupid. You know, the, the pyramidology got a, you know they've got this whole palette in front of them, and like, we're just sort of restricted by this dictionary. Running I mean, out of running out of superlatives. I don't know. Maybe we have to use sort of Russian words or from some sort of other obscure language or something oh, like dear. that. But um, no, I was it was it was it was quite a train wreck. It was mm. quite stunning. Mm. And, yeah, um, stunning, stunning. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, but anyway, so you know, I think it will be interesting to hear um, from some of the. Yeah, potential candidates and and um, uh, according to the agenda, um, uh, uh, the New South Wales Premier returned is on the agenda. So I'm looking forward to that. Martin Green's going to be there. We'll hear updates from everyone. Um, there's a whole lot going on in the professional development stream. If you're a boots and suits kind of guy and want to get in and talk about uh, technical issues, there's lots going on there. And of course, the parties, Giles. It's all about the, the networking and the parties. Um, the day prior to the two-day conference that's going on, supply partners are running a big training session, which I actually went to the other week, which was actually really cool. If you're in the industry and you want to learn about sales and marketing, um, really good guest speakers and really good to see 
Um, industry, uh, you know, they're a wholesaler, but really good to see them working hard to educate businesses and, and bringing in professionals. That's really cool. And the party of parties, of course, the Solar Cutters event, which is the evening before the conference. Um, wouldn't surprise me if we have record numbers there. Oh, um, I haven't got an invite yet. I haven't got an invite you, to any party. Oh, you just turn up, Giles. Trust me. Uh, luckily, there are only two sponsors. They're both New South Wales companies. One of them isn't me. One of them isn't you. <laughs> You're sponsoring the whole party. We're, we're a co-sponsor to the event because um, we're big fans of, of you know the ethos behind the solar cutters. And so we've chipped in this year to help pay for the drinks and meat pies. Um, so, um, Giles, I'll sneak you in. Mate, if you if you do that, <laughs> I will speak to the editor and producer of this podcast and get her to boost the volumes. Just gets better. <laughs> Just gets better. Just I can't <laughs> offer better than that. Can't offer better than that. Yes. What about some quick good solar things? Should we go well, to no, good solar I'm, for a minute? I'm going to thank the sponsors now because they've just invited me to a party. Um, <laughs> so, working well so far. They're working very well so far. So, yes, look, I do want to thank Solar Analytics and um, PV Cell from SunWiz for their ongoing uh, sponsorship of this podcast. And um, I know this podcast is appreciated by a lot of people in the industry. And um, without the support of Solar Analytics and um, PV Cell from SunWiz, then... Um, we probably wouldn't be able to do it. No, we wouldn't. And then I actually met several people. Uh, last week was um, uh, the big solar networking event that evades me for the moment uh, in Sydney. The Sundowners. S- Sundowners. Sundowners. Another record crowd at Sundowners. Um, I think we successfully knocked off a very substantial tab again in the brewery. Um, but I think, if you I think the tab was about $8,000, wasn't it? It was higher than that, actually. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So if you haven't been to one of the Sundowners events, it's a fabulous networking event. Real mixed bag of people too. So all sorts of people, old, new, young, um, you know, um, uh, all sorts of people. So really worth going. But good solar. Can we talk about good solar? We can talk about good solar. Three really quick things and, and surprise, surprise. Well, I actually haven't done this before, but there were three things I learned through monitoring this week that I kind of went, wow, you know, I always talk about good stuff that's going on in solar, but I haven't actually talked very much about some of the good things I've learned through um, monitoring. And one of the coolest things was I was actually with a customer showing them the dashboard on my phone saying, look, this is the kind of thing you can see and blah, 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 blah. And they said, oh, what's that big blob of energy consumption on your site and I went oh that's a really good question what is that and I dug a little bit looked at the size of the load and went I know what that is my son went out in the rain the other day got his shoes wet and I saw him put him in front of the fan heater before school to try and dry him out a bit and the numbnuts gone out for the day and left the fan heater on all day and so there it was a nice two kilowatt fan heater running flat chat for 12 hours for me so the good thing about my monitoring is it gave me an excuse to um, torment my 11 year old so that was good solar um, the second thing that was interesting in traveling around a little bit over the last couple of weeks and chatting with some more people, I um, was lucky enough with a couple of other people to help identify actually faulty electricity meters, whether they were actually the meter that was faulty or whether it was the configuration that was faulty. Something was very, very wrong. My friend Kathleen just bought me chocolate, Giles. Is anyone bringing you chocolate? Well, is Kathleen <laughs> going to put it in the post? <laughs> Hi, Kathleen. Kathleen. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, the, the, the short version of it was by using our monitoring dashboard to check their bill, they were able to identify a big discrepancy in the bill. And as it turned out, the retailer decided to refund that customer a whole lot of money and it had to admit that their bill was incorrectly calculated and they came and subsequently replaced the utility meter. And we actually had two instances of helping identify incorrect bills with customers in the last week or so. And then the third one that's really, really interesting, and you've published a number of articles about this, and we've been involved in a number of analytical projects uh, with various regulatory and um, NEM uh, watching bodies to look at what's going on in the network and the NEM, the greater NEM with respect to, to voltage. And we've helped identify that in a lot of places, the voltage is very, very high. And so digging around and chatting with some of the guys in operations over the last few days, we are seeing every day inverters disconnecting due to voltage rise so you know we're able to help customers by identifying that and tagging it and providing data that shows that the network voltage is too high so they can then help end users and customers argue with the networks to get the voltage adjusted so they can keep their solar online so they're three pretty cool things i think we found this week with um with data well, that's good. Yeah, look, and and you mentioned about um, big slabs of load um, on the um, on the on the monitoring device, and um, I'm going to use this as a segue to our next part of the um, podcast because I've had a big slab of loads um, sitting on um, on my monitor on my solar or my use at the moment because I'm I'm actually the brand, the proud owner for four and a half days of an electric Kona. So, oh, um, got yes, Kona. Yes, it's only released last week, so I've managed to get hold of one for a um, well myself and um, and Bridie who writes for our EV website, uh, The Driven. So hop over there if you haven't already seen it. It's all the latest news on electric vehicles and stuff, including some stories occasionally from Nigel. Um, so look, yes, I've been I'm on the Kona, which is look, um, I didn't even know, but apparently high on days. What's it like? Well, Tell us what it's like. It's bloody cool. Is it? <laughs> you know, like all electric vehicles, it's 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 really quiet. It's bloody quick. It handles beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I guess I've got to scratch my head around about why it is still twice the price of the um, the petrol equivalent. Apparently, the mm-hmm. Hyundai do. Well, so it's like a compact SUV, yep. and they've had a petrol car, so they just basically sort of copied that and put some batteries in there, and they haven't got rid of the petrol engine. They've actually just got like an electric um, motor in there which um, kind of looks almost like a petrol engine, except um, doesn't make any noise or a bit of a whir. Um, and it's terrific. So, um, yeah, look, um, look, I just love electric vehicles of any sort. And, um, you know, I've driven like Ionic now, and, of course, the more expensive ones like the Jaguar and the various Teslas, the X and the S, yes. and they're fantastic. But, um, look, this one's really interesting because um, it's pitched at about 60 grand, um, 65 if you want better upholstery and a, um, and a, and a, um, and a roof... Um, um, a, a sunroof. Um, a sunroof. Yeah. And um, it's got 64 kilowatt hours of battery. It does 450k wow. range. And no I'm kidding, it does do. Your site. I'm going to log on to your site now and check your consumption, man. Well, it's because it's been plugging. Because <laughs> there goes another story. So I'm coming back from Brisbane yesterday, and I just thought, well, I'm not going to plug it in overnight. I'm going to go down and fast charge it down at the at the tritium, you know, battery which has been put up by the Byron Council next to the library. Because I've hardly ever seen a car down there. So I charge into town well I go into town to charge sorry and um, and um, bugger me there's a bloody Tesla sitting there so I'll go off down the beach have a walk on the beach have a swim come back the Tesla's still bloody well there it's only half hour limit but it's not a super fast charge but it's a charge you know it's a 50 kilowatt charge so he's there so I go well bugger this I'll go home and charge a little bit at home and then come back tomorrow morning so I go down here tomorrow morning 
And I was sitting there and I drive in all nice and proudly, um, you know, just sort of feeling pretty special. Um, there's a French expression that people used to use about the president, Giscard d'Estaing, which is, il pète plus haut que ton... No, il pète plus haut que son cul, which basically translates into he farts higher than his bum, which just basically means he's pretty <laughs> full of himself. Um, he and feeling pretty higher yeah. than his bum, okay. Know, it's only the French, you know. trying to remember that. It's like, you know, it's like sort of, you know, People who've got the shakes, they talk about sugaring strawberries. Um, um, it's wonderful, those expressions. Anyway, look, I've got diverted. And the bloody thing, this this thing's only got installed two years ago, and all, already it's out of date because the new generation of models have gone up to the next version of the CCS charger. So I'm sitting there just trying to plug this thing into the Kona, and, of course, it doesn't work because it's the first-generation uh, CCS charger. Um, so it's probably only useful to about three three um, cars in the local area and um, any of the Telstra cars which come in and use the Chatamo one with an adapter. So um, they're mm. going to have to upgrade that. So that was really frustrating. That is frustrating. And, and you know, um, uh, electric vehicle ownership 101, Giles, um, you get a bag, you put it in the back of your car and you fill it with adapters. Um, that's, well, that's how you have to survive. You and then you can get an adapter for most things. Not all of them, but you can get adapters. That's when I go touring on the bike. I literally carry about 10 kilos of adapters and <laughs> yeah. cables and copper and everything else to uh, to enable us to get onto the right charging facilities. Well, then I went round to another place I know um, at Habitat where they've got an EV charging station. Um, I don't really know. I, well, I never got to find out what it was because it was um, parked with fossil fuel vehicles in the front of it. So um, oh. I never got to look in. So it kind of gave me little bit of an insight into some of the difficulties i mean look i've got no problem charging i just bring it home and now uh, i've got it charged up there have you have you looked up the uh up i'm the looking at yet? it now mate it's, a, it's what's it running at about two just under three kilowatts yes um not so not too bad perfectly suitable for a, for a home charging environment and matching your solar quite well you haven't got my son today but um no. if you were charging it yesterday through the middle of the day you didn't have much load you would have pretty much charged it for free yeah, I pretty much would have actually, but there you go. So, um, but look out! No, look, really, really exciting. And it's look, it's great to see those electric vehicles coming into um, into the market. Um, and um, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing the uh, the Model Three when it comes later on this year, and the Nissan Leaf, and um, anything else that might fall off the back of a truck. Indeed. Indeed. Mm, mm. And while we're on EVs and battery news, um, I've been talking about the Lightning um, Strike, as it's called. The model is the strike. The company is the Lightning. Um, very, very uh, much awaited release of that bike. It's still We're still a few days from the official release, but there has been a review done by the famous Alan Cathcart. Um, the very famous Alan Cathcart. Alan Cathcart. Uh, <laughs> anyone in motorcycling knows Alan Cathcart's name. Oh, good, good. The rest of you got no idea, of course. But um, no, he's he's um, a great reviewer and pretty brutal and pretty straight up. Um, first things first, he loved the bike. He said you know it was built well and all that kind of stuff, and it's a prototype. Um, talked a lot about their plans and how they're actually going to be building a lot of the components in China, and that's how they've got the cost down and everything else. Um, and for the first time, we've seen some specs now. So what we do know, the base model is um, 12,988 US dollars. That's about 19K Australian, um, which is remarkable. It is a very, very low price. Um, but what we also now know is the specs on that base model um, are commensurate with the price. It's 70 kilowatts of power compared to, for example, the new Zero that I've talked about, which is 82, so a little bit less power. 
95 newton metres of torque, which is still very respectable, but almost half what the New Zero delivers at 189 newton metres. And very, very interesting, the one thing, they have a slightly larger battery pack, interestingly, 18 kilowatt hours of battery, so a little bit more range, uh, only 14 in the base model of the Zero. Um, but what is interesting is they're running at a lower voltage. They're running at 150 volts rather than previously that they were running at 380 volts. So that excludes, it takes you out of the ability to use these high power DC chargers, which is interesting. So um, it's a nice entry level bike. And if it's built in the same way that um, Lightning have built their other bikes, it should be a wonderful machine, should be gorgeous, should be powerful enough. Um, I'm disappointed they haven't got the, a bit more power out of it, given that we've seen Zero out there with uh, with more power already. Very sophisticated bike, no doubt. And there are a number of upgrade options that take you up into the higher voltages that enable fast DC charging and uh, more power and so forth. So um, it's looking pretty good. We're waiting to see where it's coming out. And at um, you know, 13 grand US, it's a lot of motorcycle for that compared to uh, almost 19,000 for a, a zero, which is only a little bit more powerful. So that should be, it should be, even at that level, quite a game changer. Sounds pretty exciting. Sounds pretty exciting. Was well, as exciting I, as I my Kona. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, at some point, we're, we're going to have a drag somewhere up that hill near your place, right? We'll do a little electric race. I can tell you what, that's what I like about electric cars when you go up hills and when you just sort of take off, um, you know, accelerate away from roundabouts and things like that. It's just, just so quick. It's just lovely. And I love the um, regenerative braking too, that sort of single pedal experience. You just put it, I put, on the, I, I put it on the highest level of regenerative braking. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it, it just gives you just a real sense of control in the cars. It, look, it's a real pleasure to drive. Um, yeah, electronic braking through regen is really something, isn't it? Um, it's um, I've I've had positive and negative experiences with it. Interestingly, mine failed once coming into a corner. Um, shall we say a little hot? Um, and I hauled on the brakes, and I had no regen. And so I was reliant just on the brakes on my bike, and that caught me by surprise, as you would understand, because I was about 30 or 40% down on normal braking power. So, you know, there is an enormous amount of power available out of, out of regen as, as a braking assist. And, um, you know, and of course, you're recharging the battery. So great thing. Um, and I'm glad that now we have the technology and the ability to have backup systems for it so that the brakes, can, uh, the brakes are still there if you need them. And what happened in that corner then, Nigel, in, in the end? Well, let's just say that 52 <laughs> years of experience and about 35 years of riding experience came into play. <laughs> and there was a very surprised cow on the other side of the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh. And, you know, I reminded myself that I'm not 17 anymore. So. Mm, no, no, none of us are. None of us no, are. Yes. No. I was actually driving down. Um, there's no sheep up here in northern New South Wales, but bugger me, there was a, there was a sheep by the side of the road as I was just di- driving down um, um, Possum Shoot this morning. I was huh. thinking, what the hell is that sheep doing there by the side of the road? <laughs> it's too wet for sheep up here. Is there anything sheep. else happening up in Possum Shoe that we need to know about today or the listeners who are interested in? Or... Well, look, 
No, okay. I think I think we're coming to the end of our podcast, Nigel. Um, we're going to keep it a little bit short this week because um, people are obviously very busy and are, are busy on their way to Sydney for the Smart Energy Conference and sort of hope you know, so. Look forward doing, to seeing you doing the dry cleaning. Yeah. Look forward to seeing you and catching up with all our listeners. And um, we do have a um, we do have a t-shirt t-shirt sales target of another one, don't we? At this conference, we do. We do. We do. We're starting to pack. Or we've got a big booth, so we're starting to pack. And and there's um, there's a couple of t-shirts in there that we can do something with. I'll leave room for the sheep shall i think just in case it tags along it was following me this morning (laughs) anyway look thanks once again to the sponsors solar analytics and uh, pv cell from sunwiz and um thanks to all the listeners um do check out some of the past episodes um check out energy insiders and the driven podcast as well we've got some great interviews and some great talks over there and thanks to you nigel i'll see you in a couple of days look forward to it Charles. bye now Solar Insiders was brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, the creators of PV Cell software, powerful technology for solar sales and design. With free high definition rooftop imagery in every PV Cell plan, retailers can stay ahead of the competition. Visit sunwiz.com.au, Australia's leading solar software.